Welcome to Enough, a podcast exploring what enough means through thoughtful conversations about having, doing, knowing, and being enough. Enough is hosted by Caroline Howe and myself, Lawrence Barrender II. If this is your first time with us, we encourage you to pause and listen to at least the first episode, since a lot of context gets set up there that will be helpful for your listening. Today, we're talking with my friend, Alan Frimpong. Let's dive in. All right. So, hey, Alan. Hey, what's going on, Lawrence? <laughs> <Bye-bye>. you know, <laughs> excited to be here. Excited to have you here. Excited to be in conversation and dialogue with you. And we're talking about enough. So, you know, this is one of four conversations about enough. And uh, kind of the big picture behind this whole thing is just to get folks talking about enough. What is it? How do we work with it? Cool. What about it do we avoid or not know? Mm. So much. There's just so much here. Um, and I want to talk to you because I really respect and appreciate all of the work that you do and the ways that we have been in conversation over the last year or two years. Um, I appreciate your thinking, appreciate your writing. And so I just feel like who you are and how you are, uh, there's probably a lot to offer around the idea of enough, especially given the particular line of work you do around resource mobilization, but so much more than that, like your spiritual practices, your artistic practices, like there's just so much. So before I get into like <laughs> low key introducing you, <laughs> what do you want folks to know about who you are? Uh, who am I? I am the son of two Ghanaian parents from West Africa and Ghana. So like my dad is Ashanti Akan, part of that peoples. And then my mom is Ghan. And I share that because just the, the lineage of both of, of my parents and the peoples from which they come from are just really important to me culturally. It informs my value set, you know, as a human being, I was just raised to be a very a giving and generous uh, child, you know? And I think about like the tattoo that I have on my arm. Um, one of them is an Adinkra symbol, which represents uh, children of the of the stars. So I feel like in many different ways, especially within the uh, Akan tradition, like I'm a child of the stars. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a child of the stars, it means I'm a child of a larger constellation in the universe and that we all are children of the stars uh, under a larger supreme being. And through, through that through that understanding, I feel like that cultivation, through that cosmology and through my parents' upbringing, which includes that, uh, has made me someone who's just a giver, inherently a giver and someone who's generous and someone who is a keeper of wisdom of mm-hmm. many different um, lineages and, and, and histories. Um, through 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 which my parents and by extension their their constellation of relationships also raised me and my sister and so I feel like that's that's like first and foremost what what roots me in terms of you know who I am and then from that the rest of it comes you know you mm. talk about like the art and the spiritual pieces like to me those are synonymous and together and it's rooted in in those cosmologies also and knowing that not only is there a supreme being, but then like 
there's there's life and then even in life there's death and both coexist and they both go through a metamorphosis that is infinite you know in inside of that then it means that i'm a creator and so it it, it just means that uh what my my gifts and talents are is that you know i can take the environment of what we have in terms of the air and make sound and you know in terms of the genres of what we've created as human beings especially within the tradition of african peoples particularly west and central africa i'm really into like yeah just traditional akan rhythm patterns high life music afrobeat jazz hip-hop i'm trained in jazz my mom put me in piano class so like that's the thing um, so I'm an artist. <laughs> so the simple thing is like, I'm an artist and I do sketch art too. Uh, but most of my stuff is just performance art. Uh, so just taking a whole bunch of in- instruments, both from the visual and performance side and reprising stories of Anansi, Anansi the spider, which is a uh, folklore that comes from the Akan people from Ghana about the powerful tales of Anansi the spider who's able to just be a trickster and weave together all of these stories and lessons about what it means to like live life, you know? Yeah. That is cunning, sly, slick, um, masterful, um, and also very subversive and sometimes just very uh, troubling and confusing. What, what seems confusing, but at the end of it, it's like, oh, we have to go like around all these different kinds of pathways to like get to the end of this journey. So, yeah. um, so there's that part of it too. So I feel like that's very central to, to who I am, you know? So I'll leave that that for now. And I feel like <laughs> it can be uncovered. Like it can, it can be the onion that you kind of unpeel until you get to the center of it. That's right. There's always more layers. True indeed. Okay. So this conversation about enough, thank you for sharing some of who you are. Um, and so let's get into this conversation about enough. So, I think the first question will just be, what is enough? Like, what does that concept, what does that idea mean to you? And then we'll get into like the four approaches to enough or the four like ways, the four enough relationships that we're gonna talk about. But before that, what is enough? Yeah, so when when you mentioned the word enough, you talked about like resource mobilization earlier, like, and then that's a part of me also. And so, um, when I think of the word enough, um, I think of really what does it what does it feel to know that you uh, have the capacity to contribute? Hmm. Uh, you have the capacity to feel. You not only have the capacity to contribute, and also there is um, an attribute of of worthiness of not even I wouldn't even just say worthiness. Let me even take a step back from that. It's just like the innate essence, you know, mm. to, 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 to have an essence and know that um, there are particular like experiences that you feel that um, allow for you to experience yourself as, yeah, just being able mm. to, to live and to be able to have these interpersonal relationships and to be able to just exist and feel that your essence can be p- carried forth forward. That's the word that just keeps coming up. Your your kind of eminence, you know, mm-hmm. of who you are within your soul. 
those are the things that are coming up for for me when when I think about just the word enough. And that there's the other word that comes up is like sufficiency. Yeah. And subsistence that from a, from a standpoint of just not only just like my innate resources within me, but then like the things that then manifest and that exist in the world, that my relationship to those things are as such that, uh, I trust that that these things will will support and nourish me, you know mm. that they will keep they will keep me, my soul and all of the other things that exist within the ecosystem, um, in in a flow that these things will continue to generate themselves. Like that's yep. the other thing that that comes up for me around like enough and trusting that like it is available, it will be available and it will be accessible by whatever way it means that that may come. So like mm-hmm. those, are, those are just working it out as I'm just like, <laughs> process. you see me, right? I'm like process. Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> like, all right, cool. Like what 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 does come up for me around that? And, and the, so like, those are the things that are showing up that I'm like processing and just feeling out. Yeah, I appreciate you working it out live. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely... I experience at least some of your magic. <laughs> Just like, okay, we're gonna pull it together right here. <laughs> the Nazi is at work. <laughs> right. Some of the things that I feel like I heard you say, there's definitely some rootedness in like the essence of something. So like you have to kind of be aware of what the essence of something is. And then I also heard you talk about subsistence and sufficiency. And I just very recently have been thinking about like the difference between like, I don't even know if it's like a capitalist economy, but I've been thinking about like capitalism versus like subsistence economies and a subsistence economy is, I feel like I grew up thinking about subsistence as like bad, like subsistence was like, oh, they, they just have a subsistence economy. So like, they're not doing what they could be doing because they could be like, I don't know, consuming too much. <laughs> like we didn't talk about it like that, but it was definitely that. Anywho, I'm going on. I just appreciate that you said subsistence because I've been really thinking about like, what does it mean to live in an ecosystem that is about subsistence as opposed to being about beyond subsistence? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During the this pandemic, uh, because a lot of my other work, which I feel like I'm at a, a crossroads of like transitions where I'm integrating my like, cre- and it's always been there, like the creative artistic side of, of myself with this other piece. And maybe it's like, here, here I go again with like the Akan cosmologies. It's like uh, the Jinyami symbol, which is like very common. I wish I, I had a picture of it and no, I don't. But like, if I take my left hand, which is, I think I've told you this before, which is feminine energy, Right, masculine, I class them together. They make they make that symbol. And I feel like I'm at yes, this point your right hand and your left hand. That, 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 that there's this integration, like the yin and the yang, um, in my life, where I'm like, oh, there's this like masculine side, which is like structure, economy, the, 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 and then there's this other like feminine side that's much more fluid. That that is that is like much more adaptive in terms of my creativity. And so funny that like Anansi is referred to as he, but a lot of Anansi's work, I feel like an energy is, is very uh, feminine carrying. It carries actually both, I would say, um, in terms of 
his walk in the world, that he actually embodies both. There's like a balance of both. And I feel like that's where I am. But I, I think in talking about these economies, I feel like that's a reflection of that. It's hard in a capitalist economy when you're thinking about mobilizing resources to support people's just basic needs. Like when we're talking about subsistence, we're literally talking about basic needs. But I think from an indigenous point of view, when I say indigenous, I'm just saying like throughout the world without like, without us stepping into the point from which bodies have been commodified and put and we put price tags on them. You know what I mean? If we just took a step back from that and we just say like, as human beings and how we organize our labor and resources, um, what is enough? What is mm-hmm. it like? I mean, you, I know you're about to go into the be the being and, yeah. the, and do, but like, we I think it's very difficult in a capitalist society to to discern when to know that mm-hmm. you have had your fair share of whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, I've spent enough time doing this now. It's time to move on. You know, it's like I've, I, you know, either I've spent, and even my language, right? I've spent enough time. <laughs> yeah. You can't, like, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's, it's, it, 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 as you can see, it becomes difficult to be able to say, to make those discernments and to say, like, okay, I've existed in this moment. I've done what I've needed to do. I'm being present with who I am right now. And I'm having this conversation with you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And we've made a commitment for like this hour to be able to be in dialogue. And I just feel like with the multiple currencies that we're dealing with uh, in our lives, right? Um, what does it look like to just take a step from that and say, if we were to exist outside of what we currently practice in reality around capital capitalism, then we can say, wow, let me pr- be present around what it looks like for me to relate to other human beings in these multiple currencies around time, capacity, space, right? Space and time. Like yeah. we, we have technology, like headphones, like, like all these things. There's so many other creative ways that we can utilize then the resources that we have available to us to have our basic needs met. And I think from that standpoint, it then becomes inherently a spiritual and ancestral conversation and action around how we make sure that that happens. And it's around conjuring and manifesting that versus like, how much do I have to produce to make this happen? Yeah. And, and, and how, and how do you not then get yourself stuck in delusion that then you did it yourself, right? Because there's just no way mm-hmm. that you did it alone, right? Like, and I think that's the uh, the other thing about like the experience of like enough enoughness. You know, it doesn't happen in isolation. You alone, we can't you know feel feel that enough without your ancestors and everybody around you. You know, yeah. who have made it happen, whether they are physically here in this form or not. So I think that's part that's part of it. You know, to to you know to that. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the like, so these, I don't know, this is the first time I'm saying it this way, but like the four pillars of enough that we're talking about, not that they are the only pillars, not that they aren't even like, they might even all be the same pillar, but like for this, for for these purposes today, um, and for this little series, we're talking about having enough, being enough, doing enough, and knowing enough. So if we kind of like put those four stakes 
in the ground around enough. Um, which of those, maybe this is a way to start. Is there one of those you feel drawn to that you feel like you are, like you have more clarity about for yourself or the world or that you um, practice super well? Um, the being enough came up first. Mm. Being enough Let's go there. Just because of just this last conversation that we we had. And I, uh, I don't know, I've been on this, like my friend invited me to this new app that I'm finding very fascinating called uh, Clubhouse. I'm just finding it yeah, very interesting how in this pandemic, how uh, it's so funny you talked about uh, earlier consumers, like this this whole thing in, in, in our economy around like overconsumption. And here we go around enough. Like, <laughs> what is it enough? <laughs> how can we gauge when it's enough around our consumption, right? Uh, and <laughs> we overconsume. Uh, yeah. And, and, and yet, like, I'm on this, like, app that's about, like, you know, that's supposedly about building community. And yet, like, one of the facets of it, it's like, you know, the early forms of, like, the email where you got that special invite. It's like beta version. Welcome to Gmail. Like, imagine, yep. Lawrence, like, you know. <laughs> This is our generation, you know. Yes. Like, like my parents were gonna get no invite for the email list, you know. And it's like, and now I have email to communicate, and I don't have to like write a letter, you know what I mean, or type a letter out to uh -huh. send to somebody to communicate. Like I got emails, like instant. It's right there at your fingertips. Yeah. And like, there's this app called Clubhouse that I'm on, and like, we're having these conversations about like everything. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like Party Line meets AOL chat room meets huh. like exclusive Soho house of creatives and techies, and huh. and and you know, in, in in this thing around like being enough and around consumer around like just like consumption and looking at consumers and looking at the markets and all there was this group that I was in with my friend Tia um this 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 like online room called this dismantling capitalism and in the in the group what I realized after like people started talking about like how we how we need to dismantle capitalism and then one of my other friends who was in the group Reva was like we don't even give ourselves the space to imagine like what it is to operate outside of this mm. You know, and it brought just brought me back to like our grounding space and in, in the conversation. And I was just like, you know what it is like this, this current economic system that we have been practicing has nothing to do with free trade or free market at all. <laughs> you know, like that's also the delusion of it. And yeah. actually what it does and what I've realized in this pandemic is it creates this false dichotomy between producers and consumers. Mm. And I realized like, oh, these people who create these like community apps, you know, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, all these things, like they're creating the context for then us to provide the content. Yeah. And, and I'm like, but the people who are here, even us having this conversation, you know, on, on of all things like Squadcast, like they've provided this like platform for us to be able to communicate. I'm also like, well, the the people who are producing are consuming and the people who are consuming are also producing. So yeah. let's interrogate the identities of the people who we say are the producers 
and then those who are the consumers when we're talking about the market. And I was like, if anything, what I'm actually seeing in reality is that people are doing both. The question mm-hmm. is, who owns the means of the production? <laughs> yeah. And when you're a consumer, you don't own you don't own the means of the production. You you basically are the end user and the pro and what's being produced. Yeah, you are the product. <laughs> you, you, right. And so I just think that uh, from a standpoint again of how capitalism then became racialized because of the commodification of black bodies. Like there's just an honest conversation that we have to have about the evolution of how we organize labor in this country. Like the way we organize labor in this country and the way we source goods and services um, is inherently about theft. It is inherently about extraction and exploitation and it's inherently just anti-Black, right? So uh, it just puts me in a space and time where it's like, I'm not constantly, but I feel like there are these choice points that I am making about how I am organizing myself around these multiple currencies of like time, space, like material resources, and, and how I'm entering into my relationships with people that, um, yeah, there may be some sense of a transaction, but also I, I, I feel like what's more important is how then I'm in deeper relationship about what people's transformational agendas are and need mm. and wants and desires um, that doesn't keep it at like, I need this, we need that. Ah. You know, like it doesn't, have to be, <laughs> it doesn't have to be that. You see all my, my uh-huh. cartoon voices, but like, it doesn't have to be that. It actually could be that that we can actually go to a, that place. And what I find, I remember one brother I was talking to, he was like, we don't always have to have like this deep conversations, Alan. And it's like, well, no, it's not about that. It's really like, I don't know you like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, how do we how do we spend time actually getting to know each other and like skipping straight to like my need, my my needs, or like these things that just kind of railroad each other over each other without like, yo, I'm dealing with real stuff around like my dad's care, yo, and it's like, well, I don't have time for that, so fuck you and like fuck whatever you got going on, you know what I mean? So, um, I just feel like the relational aspect of economy, you know, is is, is an opportune time for us to actually practice well what it means for us to do that, you know, and to yeah. be. So yeah, that's just where I'm arriving. Yeah. My clubhouse story brought me there because like, I'm fascinated by how people are accruing social currency by their knowledge base. So you just talked about like knowing and knowing enough, yeah. you know, like my, uh, my lived experience is, is I feel like enough. And as I enough. go through yeah. experience, you know, books and everything else and knowing, right. So cause, cause I can go like, there's what I know, there's what like, I, I absolutely like don't know and I need to figure out and I'm going to ask Lawrence or call a friend or get a book or Google it, you know, yeah. and I'm into my knowing there is things on a spiritual level. Like I don't even know that I don't know that I don't know mm. that. And like, <laughs> you have the layers. There's this like, okay, well, I'm going to be with myself and my ancestors and I'm going to like, and I'm, I'm going to just be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be with that, you know? And I come into knowing that way, you know, too. Mm. Um, but I feel like all of that is iterative, you know, so. Yeah, I feel like you're talking about an interesting relationship between being enough and knowing enough. Mm-hmm. Like, if you believe that 
who you are is deeply connected to all of this lineage, all of these lineages. It's possible to know a lot more than you currently know as like Alan, who was born such and such number of years ago and has been on this planet for such and such number of years. Like actually, if you can, I don't know if you said slow down, but that was the word that came to me. Like if you can like slow down and just be with what is, be with who you are, be with what is going on in your life, there's so much more you have access to and that allows you to know more than you know what your number of years should be giving you access to and that is also connected to like there's there's like you and your lineages who are enough already and then when you or when we spend the time with each other in relationship you and I get to be the two points that connect at a moment for all the lineages that we both come from right and so we actually get to know way more than just what I thought I knew or what you thought you knew because we get to like be in this relational field that is like my grandfather is interacting with your grandfather. My father's interacting with your father because all those people shaped us. And so we're like in this, anyways, when you were talking, that's kind of what was like spinning up in my mind. Right. Yes. Like all of those, all of those things come into multiple forms of like the being and the knowing. Because like, yeah, that's what allows for me to know more than the years that I have walked this earth in the physical form. You know, it's like I, I remember there was a point in time like I wonder like what it was for my grandfather like working at what was then well now was it Unilever? Yeah, like yep. company all like what was it like for him like working in Ghana, working at you know, during like the colonial like this colonial period like like what yep. was that like you know for my grandfather Peter from Pong like who knew like what was it like for him like living life and I don't know but I only know the some of the stories of like what my family has shared and the little that I know puts me in a space of like wow and like this person like informs like my dad who like informs like me you know and so like now you're getting to experience me and like part of that experience is also through the, these lineages of like men in my life you know yeah. and at the same time like there's like my grandmother who like worked at exxon like it's so funny like these corporations they, you know what i mean like they worked at these corporations during the cold wow like right in ghana so it's just like and these are grandparents so if i talk about my great grandparents then imagine you know like and it just puts me in that space of like wow so like all of these lives that have been lived like and they've been in like the passing through and then it's just like like things that we take for granted like names like my full name alan kwabana frimpon kwabana is born on a tuesday like who the hell from what like tribal group of people are saying like you know what we feel like we are so divinely ordained that we are naming our children by the days and we have a yeah. whole for that and we have a whole system of governance and we have these like lovely tribal like artifacts and like symbols oh. and ways in which we are gonna embed these like symbols and images with like proverbial meetings that are gonna support our people in self-governance. Like what? Yeah, wow. <laughs> Woo! And we're gonna, and this is how we're gonna organize ourselves economically. Yeah. Like we're like, uh, you know, it's like, 
African peoples are inherently socialist, you know, and like, and it doesn't detract from like all of the challenges they still had, right? So like, like indentured servitude for one, right? You know, like, so like, which then created the vulnerabilities for the transatlantic slave trade. You know, I think these are some of the honest conversations we need to have about caste yeah. and class, you know, across the different societies. Um, yeah. And at so, the same time, you know, here uh-huh. we are. So, yeah. I was going to say, so I feel like you're you're getting into this caste and class situation. And you talked a little bit about this, but I want to just bring it to that. I want to bring it to the enough conversation with the having enough. Mm-hmm. We talked about knowing, we talked about being. So like personally or in regards to casting class or in regards to resource mobilization, like could you just talk a little or uh, I'm curious what you think. Like how do we know that we have enough? Mm. And like what are all of the different class and cast and like personal realities around having enough and i'll just say all that for me sparked when you were talking about like indentured servitude and like what is that about as it relates to some people maybe believing that they don't have enough so they need to like get someone else to do things i don't know that's i'm maybe getting ready to jump off too far but what do you think about having enough that's my real question yeah like I think I started like in a capitalist system, it's hard to distinguish like when you know you have enough because embedded are all these behaviors of like with with just being guarded, withdrawn, hoarding. Like that's just three right there, three ways of being right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. like so you talk about like being enough, like well hoarding, withdrawn, guarded, like not untrusting, you know, fear, like all of those things being present, it creates doubt. Like, I'm not sure how I'm enough in any of this, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm enough to get that job. I'm not sure if I'm enough to get this, like, life partner that I want, uh, or if I'm deserving of intimacy, or if... I want this nice house and all these things, like, you know, and so, and I think the spiritual piece that was like, when you don't know that you don't know is I think the opportune time to really ask yourself, what is it that you, that you want for real, for real, for real, what is it that you want and desire for, for you and to quiet the noise of everything else that's out there for, for you and to get clear about that for yourself. And you know, when I when I even ask that question for myself, it's like I have to be honest. Like I like I like nice things, and so when I say that, <laughs> it's yeah. like I want to be in a home, not just a house. I want to be in a home where uh, I can I can design that house to see reflections of my lineage that mm. affirm me because that is what I grew up with. And I love that. It feels good to me to see an Akan mask on my wall. It just makes me feel good. And I want that in my home. I want a space where I feel like I can cook and have the supplies necessary to be able to do that. I want to be in a space where I can sing and create music and paint and draw and I want to do that because it makes me feel joyful. I love the way it makes me feel. And if I have those things, 
Mm. When I feel like I am enough. When I don't have those things, I don't feel enough. I don't. And it took me time to really figure that out in my adulthood. You know, like when I wasn't creating, which was a huge moment in my life. That's almost 10 years of not creating artistically. Wow. And then realizing, wait a minute, you, you get at the end of that time and you're like, I keep meditating and I'm pressing the app and I can never press great. I can never press, I feel great. I'm always pressing good, 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 <laughs> good. This is and like I, when you meditate, it like asks you how you feel at the end. You feel at the end and it's like, I'm good, but I can never honestly feel, I can never say I can feel great. And then I have to stop that and be like, what makes me feel great for real? Mm, <laughs> that's a good question. A great question. A friend was just like, you haven't like written in a minute. Like you haven't performed at a poetry session. You haven't done any of that. And I realized when I started doing that again, I could start pressing great. Yeah. When I was doing my two mile runs and like going to you know lift weights, I felt great. Yeah. You know, so like when I could like have the time to cook and cook the meals that I like to eat and keyword cook with and for other people, because I had to recognize Alan's happy when he's in community cooking with and for others. Not just when I'm right. by myself. I feel good when it's by myself. Like it's not, it doesn't do anything. But when I'm in the presence of others, I light up. And so uh, Self, like it's really important, right? Like know thyself. Right? So yes. All those things, like I think, are like my encompassing journey of finding out what is enough for Alan Quabner from Punk. Like all those things then become enough for me, you know? Yeah, they all, you're like really weaving them together in this, like, okay, so I, I'm hearing it like, okay, so I believe I am enough for many reasons, including my lineages. <laughs> And I have access to all sorts of knowledge through those lineages and through other things, reading, connecting with friends, et cetera. Yeah. As all of that shows up in your being, you need to have space, like physical space to like see reflections of who you are and what you love and care about. So like you want to have, you know, a con masks, and you want to have a kitchen that works for you and supports your capacity to like do things for yourself and other people. Also in the doing is like, okay, so in order for me to feel who I am and whole, I need to be like doing this cooking. I need to be doing my physical. I need to be exercising. I need to be doing my creative work. I need to be meditating. You didn't talk about that as like, a need but you said it that you were you you were doing it <laughs> and it's interesting that you said the meditating helped you surface the fact that you didn't have enough and you were like then we're like okay i got to figure out what these other things are and it's a person another person who helped you learn like some of the that helped you know what enough is in a way that even your own meditation like surfaced the gap but didn't fill it like there was a relationship that helped you step into that knowledge yeah i don't know i just really <laughs> as you're weaving a nazi i see you just like <laughs> all of the like being and knowing and 
having and doing, they really just like got all mixed up. <laughs> yep. Here it is. Okay, so we have, you know, a couple minutes left, a little more than a couple minutes, but if there's anything else you want to say about your own ecosystem of enoughness, you definitely can. Definitely curious about your thoughts about like our collective ways of being around enoughness, like how do individual people's enoughness or not enoughnesses interact in ways that work for us or don't work for us? Mm, that one's an interesting question. <laughs> I feel like you started it. And I'm just like taking it back. I started it, didn't I? Because it's funny because in all transparency, the person who actually supported me in finding out, right, that gap, we're actually out of relationship now, you know, mm. we're not, we're not friends anymore. So um, I still love and respect that person. Um, and like for where we arrived in our journey, we just, we just fell out of relationship and that happens too, you know, um, within our ecosystem of relationships. And yeah, I think, even right now, if I'm just being present to like how I feel about it, I think that it, there's those moments when you have breaks in belonging and it feels really unfortunate and disappointing. Like, wow, I lost a really good friend. And at the same time, it's like, oh, the friend did something, right? So here we go around enough, like did something that was out of accordance with like my values and principles. And when we tried to have a conversation about it, I quickly found out like this person believes what they believe and like you're not here to force them into what they believe. And it was at that moment I was like, okay, wow, this is the end of the friendship. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, like I actually can't have that because like this is not going to make me feel enough to actually have you present in my life in this kind of way. Like it's going to create anxiety. It's going to create frustration that is unnecessary. So I'd rather choose peace than those things. And if it means that you and I are not going to have the relationship that we once had, then it means that our relationship is now going to transform into something else, you know? And because a lot of my stuff is around like networks and like mobilizing resources, if I treat it, like if I look at our friendship and our social bonds of relationship, Right. I think the, the, the colonized Western version to look at it in theory is like, oh, we had these social bonds of connection and we had a solid bond of trust. And then they fell out of relationship. And then there was this dash that represented their weak bond with a cross over it, which represented <laughs> that they had a break in belonging. And now their bond is weak. And you know, what I say to that is- <laughs> Thank you for the voice, keep going. Uh, yeah. This is all a Nazi, right? Like this is yeah. like, you know, uh, but what I, what I say to that is, what a false belief to think that this person who, yes, I did have a break in belonging with them. Yeah, yes, there were things that we disagreed with. Yes, there's some space and some boundaries that have been created around the relationship. It does not mean, however, that the, the love and commitment that I have for them as a human being is any less mm -hmm. than I had throughout our relationship. 
And I think that has something to do about the values of what it means to be devoted to each other and our existence as human beings, to really stand for each other and be a demand for each other's transformation as people see on their own journeys. And so mm-hmm. um, I can still love you and still love you from a distance. And we don't know how the end of this story is gonna turn out. I may be reconnected to her again in a much different way. There are people who I had breaks in belonging with in chapter you know, uh, 20 of my life and I'm at chapter, you know, 32, and then they reappear. And now the relation is not the way it was, but it definitely has evolved into something else. So yeah. who are we to determine that? You know, but I think I have to I have to be open enough and vulnerable enough. And sometimes I think our weakest bonds can be actually our strongest, you know, uh, what was perceived as like, Oh, I can't ask that person for that. Or, oh, I can't do this with this person. Like, who are we to determine that? You know, we don't know. We don't know. There are things that we've done. The question is, are we willing to shift our way of being to be enough to be able to be in a commitment to the relationship, to have it be something else that we thought wasn't possible before? You know, to have it transform. Yeah, to have it transform. So, you know, and, and sometimes that's a yes and sometimes that's a no. And just because it's a no, that doesn't mean that there's a lesson in the no that reroutes us somewhere else too. So I think that's the complexity of it also. It's like, okay, just it's like sometimes it's like, no, not right now. And sometimes it's for real, no, not ever. Not and, ever. Yep. Uh, I, you know, sometimes we play games with people because we really need to say, no, it really, in my spirit, I don't ever see it. And we be like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> It's like, no, just tell them that it's not within your soul that that's going to happen for you. No, I don't want that job. No, I can't do this for you. You know, and those are the, and I think that's compassionate because when we do the other thing, what we really do, we all like to say, we are lying. We are lying. <laughs> we are lying. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some, there's something about a boundary practice there. It feels like a fear-based thing, like to to avoid telling someone that it's just not going to happen is a fear-based thing. And I feel like it's about, I don't want someone else to believe that, to think bad about me. I don't want them to think bad about me, which is actually about my own inability to believe that I'm enough without doing a thing that someone else wants me to do. I'm just like afraid. To, to just say like, nope, and I'm, it's not gonna hurt. <laughs> it's not gonna hurt me. I'm gonna be just as whole. So we are at the end of this chunk of time. I know you got ritual to get to. Yep. I got ritual to get to. <laughs> so I just wanna close by asking, is there anything that we kind of touched on that you wanna talk touch on a little more or anything that hasn't come up that you wanna just get out into these audio waves? Airwaves, I guess I should say, since you talked about air earlier. Yeah. Um, well, it's so funny because I feel like if anything, Anansi is about the air. You know, when I'm learning so much right now, uh, doing like a lot of my own like learning around uh, Khan cosmology. And so when 
Western colonizers came to the area now named as Ghana, they were like, oh, like when they heard like this term of Nyami, which really just means everlasting, like the ever, like when we think about God, like supreme being, right? Um, which is omnipotent, omnipresent, all around us. Like they named Nyami the sky god. And then by by proxy, like Anansi then in, in like embodied right God, right? So they're like, oh, sky, sky, the sky god. And it's like, no, actually, like we're talking about the entire environment in the air around us. Um, and how can like this being a spider through like existing in air create create these webs, you know? Mm these webs, which is actually the story of how like kente cloth became a thing. Kente cloth was inspired by humans watching spiders weave webs. Hmm. Now when folks think of, of kente cloth, they should they should think of that. And so when we look to other like biomimicry, when we look to ecosystems and we see other species and how they maneuver, right? How much human beings are in, taking in from that and learning from that in their own way of being. So that's another source of knowing, right? And, mm -hmm. and somebody was enough to be able to witness how a spider wove a web and mimicked that in their own being to then create something that we all love and enjoy, which is kente cloth. Mm -hmm. Except when politicians wear it. You know, oh like, my gosh. So anyway, I know we're closing out. But um, <laughs> what, what I wanted to say around that was, I think the piece that I wanted to name is in, in, that, in that resourcefulness of being able to do that um, is how people create. And I mm. think that I'm, find, I'm, I'm finding myself at a place that my resourcefulness, my ability to be able to mobilize resources really is in service inevitably to human beings be able to organizing themselves into recognizing that they too are resourceful and that they can cooperate around their resourcefulness and inherently around their abil their inherent abilities to contribute through their capacities of, of really enoughness, of, of looking at their essence, looking at their talents, gifts, skill sets and saying, this is the unique way that I'm going to co contribute to humanity. And this is how I'm going to express my love in that way too. So I think that that's, that's kind of where I'm arriving in my journey and my, in my own kind of version of, you know, what enoughness is, is uh, looking like for me right now. So I'll share that too, but um, love that. Yeah. I'm, I really uh, appreciated this conversation because I feel like we haven't been able to uh, touch base with all the Marco Poloing and all Yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah. You gotta get back on it. I know, I know. I feel no. like I'm gonna have much more time as I go to Ghana and I'll be I'll be doing a lot of this, you know. Right. I'm excited it. to see you. I'm excited to see you from <laughs> Ghana. I'll jump back on our Marco Polo thread. I think you were the last one to leave a polo, so yeah. I will hop back on that. Thank you so much for spending this little bit of time. I'm excited to have been connected about this and to reconnect. I yeah. love you. Love you too. This is dope. so well. Yeah, you too. You too. Take care. Peace. Lawrence. What's up? Wow. I want to start right at the end because Alan's voice, when it transformed into his storytelling voice, 
was so epic. I love it. Yeah, it doesn't come out that often, or at least I haven't heard it that often, but it does pop out. And when it does, chef kiss. And I really, you know, one of the things that that the very beginning in discussing Anansi really wove together a thread of enoughness that we haven't talked about in a while, Mm. which is this idea of what does it mean to weave what you have? Mm. And in thinking back on the Anansi tales that I know and have had the pleasure of hearing and partaking in this idea of Anansi's ability to weave what they knew and had access to to make happen this finding of enough and transformation into enough even a little spider feeling enough was just really powerful to me and reminded me of a similar but different uh, sort of spirit in India not a sort of religious spirit or spiritual spirit but a like an energy or like a style an energy indeed which is kabad sejugad which is to like make something out of whatever you have. And it's a way that people describe entrepreneurs and it's a way that people describe art or cars that are sort of made from whatever is found. And it just reminded me it's a it's a spirit of making and creativity that I sometimes feel so much more tapped into and other times so much farther away from. Mm. Do you have a sense of what makes you one of those versus the other? Mm. It's interesting because the other thread of, you know, the conversation (laughs) around sufficiency versus abundance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think is like in those moments when I'm resource constrained in some way. Is it time? COVID has given me a lot of this sense where I'm not going to an art store to find the supplies. I'm not, uh, was just this weekend making art for a virtual cherry blossom parade that we are doing in D.C. to honor the fact that none of us will be able to be in the thick of D.C.'s cherry blossoms around the National Mall. And so they're inviting people to make art in their houses. But I'm typically used to when I'm making big art installations, you know, at least being able to get to some store to buy the stuff. And because of agreements in my house about where we are not going into, I'm not going into art stores. Uh, And so we used newspaper and spray paint and uh, things from Buy Nothing that other neighbors were giving away and made what I think is a pretty rad installation, but really required making what we literally had around the house in our recycling bin and spray paint that we had to make something. And so it's something that actually some amount of constraint can allow you to tap into while also the idea of having enough to work with. And I think that that was another thread I loved from Alan's conversation around what it is to have enough at home to feel able to make art, to cook for others, to hold others physically in your space. And those things that make us feel or not make things that enable us to be our most creative selves is space and constraint in in an interesting way Mm. yeah i felt really connected to what alan was saying yeah in and around that part about how one might set up their home you know and it's not that enough means nothing you know it's very much not nothing but it's 
the particular things that have a particular meaning or weight or connection that, you know, to your point about constraints, it's like, I don't need everything. I don't need all of the artifacts that remind him of like the lineages that his parents come from that are his lineages. You know, it's not like a ton of things, but some things like really uh, some things that help him feel anchored and not excessive. And obviously, you know, Marie Kondo and her method of tidying up has been a big deal for some years now. Like, what does it mean to find things that connect you to your histories and pasts that you love and putting in the energy to figure those things out or to figure out what those things are. You know, it's, it's something I'm starting to do more of still in the probably phase of there's too much, there's too many things, but that work of balancing or trying to, to tread that line or thread the, the needle of like, Okay, now I will need some things. I don't want to have too many things. So what are those things and how do they connect to my, how do they maybe amplify my innate sense of enoughness? Yes. And it brought me back to almost a decade ago in one of our first enough workshops where I started to see this sort of parsing together of what is the stuff that people feel most attached to when we ask, what would you take out of your house if if you knew you were were never to go back, or if you knew your place were to, your house were to, um, to to burn? I think was maybe the the question, and the idea that it's sort of split into, and then the other question around what were the most important purchases you had made that you really had thought put thought into. And they did split into, in both cases, things that reminded us of people, places, ancestors, important moments of ourselves or our community that were so often the things that we really felt a need to hold on to, to feel that connection to. And then so often in the in the purchases side were things that allowed us to feel our best selves, whether that was a piece of... Um, athletic equipment that allowed us to, for me, ice skate and, and do these things that make me feel physically alive. Or the idea of the cooking supplies that Alan mentioned, or the space to and, and recording the things we are doing right now, the microphones, computers, uh, technology that allows us to fill up that cup full of ourselves and our life force to really feel like enough. And that just so resonated for me as he was talking about when I do those things to fill up my cup, I feel it like I am enough. I feel like enough. And when I don't, it is so clear that I don't. And for me, the things that I seek to, whether that is gratification or affirmation from others to fill me up instead of filling myself up with what I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super easy to just forget <laughs> and try to fill with the thing that is not actually filling. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was another very interesting moment in your conversation with Alan around this in the moments of not feeling like enough, the doubt of how they are so tied together, these doubts around, I'm not sure I'm enough to get a job, to get the partner that I want 
to deserve intimacy, to, to get nice things, to get the space I need to do these things I love. And that fear and doubt were such a part of it. And the flip side of that being this thread around trust mm. of what it is to trust, not only in yourself, but in others. And the conversation you had around being in relationship and the trust of knowing that the people you are in relationship with love you, care about you, and are committed to seeing you grow in whatever shape your relationship takes, even that if that is years, decades of not being in active relationship. Yeah. Yeah, like it's actually really possible to... it's really possible to find oneself at a moment where what is needed for you to be your fullness, to be your enoughness, to be the essence of you is distance, you know, and the distance I've, I, wow. I so consistently find that, you know, when people I'm working with on coaching front or, um, you know, in men's work, there are spaces where our closeness to someone who, you know, like people who know us from past eras of life, people who know us from previous iterations of ourselves, yes. you know, they, they really hold you in that old way of knowing you. And if that old way of knowing you was d a diminished version of you, as you tried to expand beyond that old container that doesn't fit you know as you try to bust out of your chrysalis with your like you know big ass new beautiful wings um if people want to hold you in your chrysalis what you got to do is like put some space between you and them so that you can like get, let those wings out and yes you know it's weird when we are conditioned we grow up in these contexts where we aren't where we are held down and not able to be enough on our own when we like begin to fill the containers of ourselves yeah, sometimes the right thing to do is like get some distance. And then once you get your wings out, you can be like, cool, I'm going to fly back now. But like, I'm this new person now. And you actually can't hold me to who I used to be. I needed the space to get there. But now like, I'm who I am everywhere. So if you can handle that, yo, let's flap around. And if you can't handle that, then I'm still going to go. I'm going to be enough whether or not it happens to be around you. I don't know. That was sort of a rant, but... <laughs> no, it is a rant I love. I cannot get enough of butterfly imagery. In particular, one thing that really struck me when I was uh, back in the days when we could travel was able to spend some really close time with a bunch of tropical butterflies really making their way in, in the world and seeing how long they have to pause after this moment we think of as so momentous of leaving the chrysalis that they have to sit and wait so patiently to have the fluid move through their wings, to have their wings really unfold and be the stable wings. And I think about that in my rush to do enough, the idea of those moments when we do need to pause and let our wings solidify, let our wings grow into yeah, wings capable of moving us through the world in, in the way we want to. Mm. And so that's a piece on the time and patience that I come back to 
And the other real pollinator image that has been so powerful for me in understanding my own enoughness is looking at how butterflies and bees move through the world, which is not in pursuit of being enough of a pollinator, like a, a bee or a butterfly don't move through the world trying to allow others to have food or giving back to the broader ecosystem that feeds them. They move through the world making honey, like mm. making sweetness and seeking sweetness, in particular butterflies just seeking the sweetness of flowers. And in so doing, they pollinate. In so doing, they are enough for our ecosystem, not in, in our critical keystone part of it. And and so I think that there's so much for me in that image of knowing that filling my cup in those ways that Alan talked about, cooking for others and making art and creating, that can be enough. Hmm. Filling filling my cup can be enough. Yep. It's a quick side note, but I'm very, I mean, this is not a new idea, but I learned a couple of years ago the phrase like self-interest-based organizing. Hmm. And I feel like that's all I'm interested in. Like if I don't, if I'm not benefiting from the work that's happening in some space, the likelihood that I will feel like it's not enough for me, like I won't, I'm disconnected from my own sense of enoughness. Like it just feels like endless what I could be trying to do. It's like, no, if I know what I need, this thing I'm working on is part of what I need. When the need is met, <laughs> you're like, great, we have achieved enough success here and we can move on to something else, chill out, like whatever it is. Mm. Um, anyway, so just on that tip of like, you know, sometimes the most beautiful excess comes when people are just trying to get their most rooted, grounded set of needs met. Like, I'm just trying to have pleasure. Like, I just want to have pleasure. Like, is it so much to ask? Like, oh yeah, and as I create as I create pathways for pleasure, all sorts of other beautiful things happen, like new possibilities for me and people who I'm, who I'm in relationship with. Yes, and that Adrienne Marie Brown's pleasure activism of that it is both an activist, it is an act, it is an act to seek pleasure and to find pleasure, particularly when your pleasure, whether that is as a black, brown, Asian, female body has been denied for so long, but also that our activism should be pleasurable, that our activism should be full of joy. And I saw that so embodied during some protests this summer in DC of seeing these incredible, the best I mean, the best drag show I have ever seen was in front of Mayor Bowser's house this summer and people joyously protesting and joyfully. We were also just so happy to all be together, but to see people just so joyfully making their stand in front of the mayor's house a moment to be celebrating and to be celebrating that our acts of defiance can be joyful. Mm. Um, I have a pivot for us. One last thing I really wanted to discuss with you about Alan's conversation was around what it is to know enough. Mm. And this idea of what we know 
from our ancestors and what we don't know. And that in some ways, the more we know, the more we know that we don't know. And it reminded me so vividly of my calculus teacher in high school who gave us, agreed to give us some credit for any question that we wrote, I know that I don't know. And it wasn't as much credit as you would if you got the right answer. Uh, but I really saw uh, Mr. Q trying to give us this lesson that, you know, part of the world we live in is knowing when we don't know and also accepting that that's not always a reason for inaction. Not knowing isn't enough to be a reason for inaction always. And the very nature of recognizing that the more we know, the more we can see our own gaps, our own, and, and to not let that allow us to feel like not enough, that we can see what we don't know, we can see what we, where we are falling short. I think about this in particular with anti-racism work, where the more that I, the deeper I am in it, the more I see how much water and air of white supremacy I have consumed and can see my shortcomings that in moments have made me freeze and trying to get in the habit of, of recognizing that paralysis is not an option for me and that knowing that I don't know, knowing that I have fallen short, knowing that I have made mistakes cannot be what stops me from continuing to take action. Mm -hmm. Yep. I definitely experience the... Yeah, the line between knowing and not knowing the and how that relates to the work of acting or not acting. And there's obviously that phase where you're so afraid of doing the wrong thing that you do nothing. You know, I feel like maybe that's what you're talking about. Maybe it's a, a slightly it's like an adjacent point, but it's like the there's like the overwhelm of like not knowing what to do which is kind of get to the freeze of not wanting to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. They feel, I guess those things are distinct. They are adjacent, but they are distinct. And, you know, once you know all that you don't know, the fear can be super overwhelming. And, you know, I've definitely found that the only way I move through that is like, I'm, I'm going to die. Yes. You know, like I, I can't, all the things that my ancestors did or didn't do are present in me and all that my descendants, you know, by blood or by choice, all they're going to get is what I did or didn't do. And so like, well, I could have my, you know, great grand nibblings look back and be very open or not open, but like, you know, they can be like, whoa, look at these things. Or they can look back and be like, dang, he really didn't. <laughs> and not, right? that be just, not, that, not that that necessarily will be that bad because there will be a bunch of things I don't do. But the thing that helps me break through that moment is like, I only get this one life <laughs> and I might as well just do the thing. Like also worst case scenario is that I die. Yeah, 100%. It's coming anyways. 
I do feel like that uh, a connection to mortality and awareness of our own mortality does feel like such an important part of accepting enoughness because it's this is the life. This is the physical body and this is the lifespan. And I just come back to something Alan said earlier in your conversation that you are a child of stars. And the more that I remember that, remembering Adrienne Marie Brown's word that I am a miracle walking. Uh, and the very idea of all of those elements of whether I'm enough or not, this is what I've got. And this is the life I've got. This is the time I've got. So, so making the most of it without letting that fear of, having enough, knowing enough, doing enough without letting that fear paralyze me. Yep. Yep. That's all I got. Mm, that's all we got. Sweet. Well, thank you for reflecting on this conversation with my friend Alan. Big thanks again to Alan for taking the time to sit down and explore enough with us. If you want to learn more about the work he's doing, you can check out alanquabana.com. Enough is hosted by Caroline Howe and myself, Lawrence Barringer II. Our show is produced and edited by Ray Pang, and our music is by Smith the Mister. To access the transcripts and any links, check out our show notes. Next week, we'll be back with another conversation with Caroline's dear friend, Brittany Catellis. In the meantime, if you're looking to keep spreading the conversation about Enough, you can help us do that by sharing this episode with two friends, giving us a five-star review on iTunes, or by sending us a love-filled email at iamenough at gmail.com. Questions and comments are welcome there too. And if you want, you can say these phrases along with me. I am enough. I know enough. I have enough. I do enough. Ciao.